0: Welcome to The Jolt. It's Friday the 24th of November, and I'm Sam Morgan, your host. Later in today's show, I'm going to be looking at how a shift towards the far right risks undermining climate action efforts around the world. First up, though, let's take a look at some of the major climate and energy stories, making headlines around the world. Donald Trump would take an axe to Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, If elected president next year, his advisers say Trump, the only U.S. president to be impeached not once but twice, wants to slash the hundreds of billions of dollars in climate, energy and transport funding, claiming that the IRA is nothing more than a tax hike. He also intends to reopen federal land that has been excluded from fossil fuel exploration efforts and scrap fuel economy standards for cars. Former campaign officials also predict that Trump will once again withdraw the U.S. from the Paris Agreement. If Trump does indeed win the election and makes good on these rants, then the energy transition is going to get much more difficult, not just in the US, but around the world. Sorry to bring you such worrying news just before the weekend. It's time to climate-proof Europe's economy, according to the heads of the continent's top banking institutions and regulators. The presidents of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde, the international energy agency, Fatih Birol, and the European Investment Bank, Werner Heuer, have written a really interesting opinion piece on this topic just ahead of COP. There's a link in the show notes, so do have a read of it. Ireland is reportedly planning to ban gas-powered data centres. A top utility regulator is considering making a recommendation on so-called islanded data centres, which aren't connected to the grid and are powered by emissions-spewing gas generators. Government heads say that these facilities are not in line with Ireland's national policies. The regulator is also looking into making power purchase agreements for renewable energy mandatory for large-scale facilities. Data centres are big business in Ireland because of low taxes for multinationals, and recent figures suggest that they soak up about a fifth of the republic's power. For more on Ireland and climate, stay tuned for Monday's episode of The Jolt, when we'll have something rather special for you. France is reportedly refusing to pay a large-scale fine for missing its 2020 renewable energy target. France was supposed to hit 23% renewables in its energy mix under EU law, but missed it by quite some margin, achieving just 19%. Countries that fall short of those benchmarks have to pay heavy penalties, but the French government has informed Brussels that it will not pay, Le Monde reports. France did have the option to meet its target through so-called statistical transfers, where countries that exceeded their goals could sell their surplus to those that didn't. That would reportedly have cost Paris up to 500 million euros. Maybe France should think about spending that money on wind and solar, so that the not insignificant chunk of its energy mix not fueled by nuclear can go green. Just a thought. Brazil will propose a new fund to pay for tropical rainforest conservation. Planned to debut at COP28, The fund would benefit around 80 countries with forests. Brazil's top climate diplomats said that the fund would be, quote, huge and not measure forests in terms of carbon storing potential, but by actual size. Brazil is still working on the details of the fund. The European Union launched its hydrogen bank, an auction scheme worth around 800 million euros. Under the new initiative, producers of renewable green hydrogen can bid for support in the form of fixed premiums per kilo of produced hydrogen. The subsidy is designed to bridge the gap between production costs and market price, and is part of EU efforts to scale up the hydrogen economy and bring down costs. Bidders have until February to apply, and successful applicants can look forward to a decade of support, so long as they start producing hydrogen within five years of signing their contracts. Australia is looking to build 32 gigawatts of renewables by 2030. The government has decided to underwrite an additional 9 gigawatts of dispatchable renewables and 23 gigawatts of variable capacity, which would be enough to power half of the main Australian grid's demand. Australia plans to phase out a lot of aging coal power in the coming decade and wants to hit 80% clean power by 2030. In 2022, nearly 70% of electricity was generated by fossil fuels, illustrating how far the country still needs to go. And South Africa's government has approved a multi-billion dollar Just Transition Partnership. The program, agreed in 2021 with wealthy nations, will funnel nearly $9 billion into clean energy initiatives. In particular, the JETP is designed to help South Africa kick its addiction to coal, which generates about 85% of the nation's power. It took the government a long time to approve the investment plan after labour unions protested against the risk of job cuts in the coal sector. The plan is expected to be presented at COP28. That's it for the news, now let's get into the story of the moment. Voters around the world are choosing the far right to lead their governments potentially unleashing political forces that will take a machete to green growth, and climate action efforts that have taken years to become established. It's a worrying trend, and this week showed that it is not one that will change course anytime soon. We start in Argentina, where voters decided that firebrand newcomer Javier Millet should be head of state for the next four years. Millet was pictured on the campaign train wheeled in a real chainsaw, and claims that the ghost of his favourite dog told him that he would become president, He has also had the very same dog cloned. Millet has pledged to gut many aspects of government work, roll back environmental standards, and to ramp up fossil fuel use and production. He has made no secret of the fact that he is a climate change denier. It wasn't even a close election, and he is due to take power on the 10th of December. Whether Millet will make good on his pledges, or if he will even be able to pass them, is difficult to tell at this early stage, But we are potentially on the cusp of a dangerous period for climate efforts in Latin America, so this story is still worth flagging. Julian Reingold, an environmental reporter, explained to me, direct from northern Argentina, some of the background to this election.
1: It's very sad to celebrate 40 years of democracy and wonder if this will actually continue or not. We have a a few examples to to cling on and, and you know, is sort of to speculate of what kind of government we might have in, in, in the coming weeks and months. I won't say years because I'm not sure how much this would actually last. When we talk about the ideology of Millet, he has obviously nurtured himself from the Trump experience in the US, the Bolsonaro experience in Brazil. And if, if we focus particularly on climate and energy, the scenario is even worse because at least Trump kept the Environmental Protection Agency. He you know, he adjusted a few things to to favor the the oil companies and car manufacturing industries, but the institution remained. Bolsonaro also kept the Minister of Environment, the ministry as a as a particular section, but Bile is willing to go beyond this and simply scrap all of environmental structures within government so we are currently worried question now is to what extent it would lose not only budget it never had a lot of budget but m- making sure that it would be reduced to the to the minimum expression i think i think it's worth uh, keeping in mind that environment was never a priority in argentina and 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 i think it's important to say this out loud because unlike our countries region like brazil and colombia where you know the Amazon plays a much valuable role, in, you know, uh, in, in in the national perception of the environment and and, and the culture and, and and the need in the indigenous people. The Argentine society has always looked towards Europe and and considered that in many ways we are just unlucky Europeans living in 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 the turmoil of South America. Obviously, he will he will take office during the final days of COP twenty eight in Dubai. And uh, Argentina has a delegation on its way. It's a question mark whether or not how the country will finish uh, negotiating the global stock take or the, the update of, of the uh, national determined contributions.
0: Fairman Krupp, who is managing editor for Latin America at China Dialogue, also shared his concerns.
2: Uh, he is a climate denier, first of all. Uh, he believes that climate change uh, is uh, an invention from the socialist party governments. He has some really strange theories regarding climate science, thinking that uh, we are not on a, on a path towards higher emissions. Uh, all theories that have been debunked by scientists throughout the months of the campaign in Argentina. There are some drafts over the potential new structure of the national government, and there is no mention whatsoever of the environment, not even on a secretariat or anything. I had a chance to speak with climate researchers and, uh, and people in the ministry over the last two weeks, and the, the sense uh, is that everyone is quite concerned i afraid of what will happen on a on a positive note the the thing that we can look forward to is that Argentina has a really federal structure which means the provinces are quite powerful in terms of their decision making uh, so it might lead to a situation kind of similar to what happened in the US with Trump in which the states uh, kind of took over what the national government was doing in terms of environmental policy uh that's I hope, at least, because what we see on a provincial level in the country uh, might end up being quite different compared to what we will see on a national level.
0: It's not just Argentina, of course, that is facing this challenge. As mentioned, Brazil has had to endure Jair Bolsonaro's climate arson, and the US might have to deal with another bout of Donald Trump. Italy has its first right-wing government since the fall of fascism. And France will yet again decide in 2027 whether to hand Marine Le Pen the keys to the president's office. She might succeed this time around. On Wednesday too, Dutch voters decided that the anti-immigration party of Geert Wilders should get first go at forming a government after he got a quarter of the vote. Wilders has a long list of planned policies such as banning mosques, Ending freedom of movement, leaving the EU, withdrawing official apologies that the state has made for its involvement in the slave trade, and some rather radical thoughts on climate. He intends to roll back nitrogen reduction standards, a key issue in the Netherlands, raise the speed limit to 140 km an hour, and take the Netherlands out of the Paris Agreement. Wilders still needs another party to support him, marking a true test for Conservative parties that have, until now, refused to work with him. If they continue that embargo as hoped and expected, it is likely the EU's former Green Tsar, Franz Timmermans, will be given a go at forming a coalition. Given the Netherlands' weighty role in setting Europe-wide Green policies, the choice ahead could not be more important. In Brazil and the US, where right-wing presidents slashed Green policies, it's taken their successors a lot of time and a lot of their political capital to right those wrongs, with little guarantee their efforts won't be flushed down the toilet again. As climate reports have shown, that is time the planet can ill afford to waste. Argentina and the Netherlands could be about to start their own periods of green decline. Whether that climate denial spreads to other countries and their governments should be a genuine worry for us all. Many thanks for joining me for today's Jolt. I'll be back next week on Monday for much more of the same bite-sized news updates and a look at the story of the moment. I hope you can join me. In the meantime, check out the latest episode of What Matters, which zeroes in on carbon removals and their role in the energy transition. Also have a read of our latest deep dive on blue hydrogen, as well as listening to Talking Transitions, a new special podcast series brought to you by Foresight and EY. The first two episodes are available now. You can listen to The Jolt and our other shows either on the website, in-app, Spotify, Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks once again to everyone at Foresight for helping to make The Jolt possible and shout out to Mute Island for providing the theme music. Until next time, thanks for being a part of The Jolt.